Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John, the one and only Father Nathan Goble, here we are. Hello. This passing afternoon, the leaves are falling and winter is coming. All the leaves are, all the leaves are brown. I was raised on that band, actually. Who is it? Oldies. Isn't that uh, Mama Cass? Mamas and the Papas. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, can we start with uh, two quick shout-outs here? Uh, let's two. do three, because I have one, too. You're going to remember one. Look at that. Uh, I got an email from uh, this guy. He had a question about an imprimatur for our uh, podcast. Oh, oh, okay. And, so uh, we could get sued by the bishops and Kanye West. So what's a uh, imprimatur? Do you want to tell them real quick? Um, imprimatur, I think, is let it be printed. Okay. Um, so usually you have somebody, um, if you're talking about theological issues in the name of the church, um, gosh, like a book or, um, something like that, like some catechetical program, you would have a bishop or his delegate, like a vicar or a priest look through all the stuff just to make sure everything's in accord with Catholic teaching and then they would say, yes, it's fine. And then they would give you an imprimatur, which is let it be printed. And then usually underneath it is a nihil obstat, which is nothing prevents. Nothing obstopped. Nothing obstat. Um, yeah, the email is from a guy named Sam Aquila, <laughs> our, also known as Archbishop Aquila. Are you kidding me? Our Archbishop. He was just messing with us. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> actually, uh, Minto got the email and forwarded it on to me. And uh, yeah, Aquila was just... Just dogging us. What? He seriously took the time to email us? I think he was in Rome uh, talking to our good friend, Father Mike Rapp, and he found out about the podcast, and then uh, there we go. Surprise, surprise, puppy surprise. Yep, and that's uh, very special. Another shout-out. I'm just going to throw this one out there. So greetings, Archbishop Aquila. Archbishop Aquila, thanks for listening. Thanks for ordaining me. (laughs) Thanks for ordaining us. Priest forever, right, Father Nathan? Let's hope. Um, The other shout-out is... um, Rappo County clerk and recorder, Matt Crane. Matt Crane. Listening to the podcast. At least that's what he told me uh, in an email one time. He's up for re-election uh, next week. Oh, okay. Good guy, though. Got married at Queen of Peace, my home parish. and uh, So anyways, Matt Crane, if you're still listening, thanks for listening. Good luck next week. Good luck next week. So, but we don't want to talk about next week. We want to talk about... The now. Last month. The title of our topic is... Boom, 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 boom. An Extraordinary Synod Indeed. Wow. I read this article from a guy named George Weigel, who I'm sure many of you know. Wiggle. George Wiggle. George Wiggle. And uh, he uh, was talking about the synod that happened last month. So I thought what we would do tonight is uh, unpack this a little bit and uh, give people some clarity uh, around uh, what the hell is going on in Rome uh, yeah. around this whole synod question. Mm-hmm. So what do you know? What have you heard? Where are you at? What are your thoughts, feelings, and desires on all this right now? Well, I didn't really look very much at it. You know, I've got my homepage set to Catholic Sports News. Center. No, oh. Catholic News Agency. Um, uh, Carl Bunderson and Pete Zelasko and all those cats over right. there. Um, and so they would have articles on it. It was kind of like... Stop freaking out. And I'm like, I'm not really freaking out. I have anointings and, you know, baptisms and whatever else. Such so. a good priest. You're just such so a, busy. I'm such a good priest. You're just, 
<laughs> I work way too hard. Uh-oh. Um, so I don't know, but the the thought I had about it was when Humana Vitae came out, and they were they did a a meeting beforehand that was covered, really for the first time, like by the media, the major media, um, you know, all these people from around the world saying. Oh, they're gonna change their they're gonna change their minds about contraception. It's gonna be this revolution, blah blah blah. And then Humana Vitae comes out, and it's not that. And a lot of people were stunned and shocked. And then the media outlets just went with no, but you can kind of still do it. You know, it's not like it's not like you know you've been told you can't. Right. Um, so when it comes to the media. I just sort of say, you know, until I until I hear from my superior, Archbishop Aquila, <laughs> um, I'm not really gonna gonna move on anything that I hear from, I don't know, CNN. CNN had something the other day that was the Pope. The Pope is all about evolution, yeah, which is totally the... against Benedict. And I'm like, you guys are such story mongers. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what word he's going to use there, but that was good. Keeping it PG. Keeping it PG. Yeah, the uh, Denver Post ran an article today. Uh, the Pope um, defies Catholics by saying that creation and evolution are compatible. But uh, and you know who else said that? Saint Augustine, seventeen hundred years ago. So it's like you got to be kidding me. Wasn't that also Pius the Twelfth in Humani Generis or something? That's right. Yeah. So these people are total morons. But you know what's even worse? Yonner is, is that we're listening to them. Right, the average American list watches forty-five hours of television a week, and spends seventeen minutes in religious or civic obligation. Okay. According to a Wall Street Journal poll I read last year, forty-five hours a week, full-time oh. job watching the TV, and we're listening to these hanyaks, and I, I just can't believe it. So, anyways. I also I also heard that sixty-eight point four three percent of people believe in statistics. Hmm. Even if they don't know where they come from. That's an interesting number. It's amazing how precise it is. 68.43%. That was a joke. (laughs) Okay, so what I'd like to do today is uh, bore you completely with uh, information on synods. I rarely prepare these podcasts, but uh, Nathan was late coming back from an anointing. Because he's such a good priest. I'm such so a good, I was I work frantically so reading some things that I uh, wanted to prepare here. So first thing is uh, George Weigel is playing on this phrase, the extraordinary synod, right? It's an extraordinary synod, is a kind of synod, extraordinary. Yes. And it's also extraordinary what just happened last month. Yes. Do you get it? Do you get the play on words? <laughs> George. Do you get it? You, you're such a, you're such a jiggle. <laughs> no, but you like, you get it. It's a play on the word extraordinary. I got it. Okay, good. Okay. So, uh, please stop. <laughs> so here's the five reasons he gives why the synod was extraordinary. Number one, I uh, got an extraordinary amount of press attention. Uh, he says it, similar to the Humana Vitae thing. And even with the second Vatican council. And I felt, I was like, this must be what it felt like to be a Catholic during the second Vatican council. Yeah. And he says, um, yeah, the, the press played it off as the, um, this, the long awaited moment when the Catholic church finally caves in and, uh, the, finally, the collapse of the last major institutional holdout to the triumph of the sexual revolution uh, comes about, and now we usher in the new era, you know. Camelot. Exactly. So that was uh, the first thing that was extraordinary. Number two, and this is an interesting one. He said, this synod was extraordinary because of the self-confidence of bishops from dying local churches who nonetheless felt quite comfortable giving pastoral advice to local churches that are thriving, i.e. Africa. 
So these guys uh, in wow. Europe, especially, yeah, are saying, "Let us tell you how to run a, a church, and let us tell you about how it really means to be pastoral." Hmm. He was like, "That's kind of crazy." Number three, extraordinary in the unprecedented what he said public display of discord among cardinals. That's what the media claims. And then he quotes from Galatians two eleven, where Paul lays the smackdown on Peter, and he says, "You know what? This has always been the way it's done. Yeah, right. There's always been this tension." Number four. It's been extraordinary because a lot of theological confusion was displayed by elders of the church who really ought to know better. So there are certain people using the language of development of doctrine in a really poor way. Right? Yeah. Authentic development of doctrine is organic. It's a continuity with the past. It doesn't rupture. Yeah. All right. And then number five, he said it was extraordinary in its demonstration that too many bishops and theologians have not grasped the and what he calls the iron law of Christianity in in modernity. This is what he says. Christian communities that maintain a firm grasp of their doctrinal and moral boundaries can flourish amidst the cultural acids of modernity. Christian communities that collapse doctrinal moral boundaries become porous, wither, and die. Hmm. That is the law. And he says it's amazing that in our pastoral practice, some bishops are not realizing that. Those are the five extraordinary qualities of this particular synod. I think we just it, went through. I think it would be helpful if you used the, the, the you know, you pronounced it extraordinary <laughs> instead of extraordinary. Extraordinary. Extra- extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Okay. So what is a synod of bishops? You can brush it up on your canon. A gathering. It is a gathering. Okay. It's a reckoning. <laughs> um, that was Treebeard from uh, Lord of the Rings. We make references like that that yeah. no, no one ever gets. Well. Know, an entmoot. Yeah. Pimply. Pimply homeschool kids that, you know, giggle when we say the word poop or, or a tree beard. That's right. So this is what canon law says a synod of bishops Sorry. is. Sorry, homeschool kids. I yeah, love yeah, you. That's great. You just offended six of the 17 listeners of the podcast. <laughs> this is what a synod of bishops is according to canon law. Um, it's a group of bishops who have been chosen from different regions of the world and meet together at fixed times to foster closer unity between the Roman pontiff and bishops to assist the Roman pontiff with their counsel in the preservation and growth of faith and morals, blah, 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 and to questions pertaining to the activity of the church in the world. So basically, the Pope takes a random selection of bishops and says, let's have a synod. Yeah, with more than just the power players. Right. You know, and that's part of what I thought was interesting that Weigel was pointing out, you know, the bishops from, obviously, Europe, longstanding European tradition, you know, major seas, but then also... Africa, India, um, you know, I think the Philippines, they were all like really active in that council. Right. And um, what's interesting is that synods have always been happening in the church, right? But the present form came back in the Second Vatican Council. So Paul VI in 1965, as the council, as the Second Vatican Council was coming to close, set up the kind of the modern form of synod of bishops. So it kind of had fallen out of practice in the West. And he said, I'm doing this to make a greater use of the bishop's assistance in a providing for the good of the universal church. So it becomes a support, uh, a collaboration, right? It's not a different form of governance. It's just a collaborative thing around the function of the Pope. Yeah, which is part of what his vision is, not necessarily um, wanting only a curial model of, you know, the Roman curia, like the Vatican offices, but having people who are out there in the church throughout the world comment on issues that the curia faces all the time. It's just 
fact finding. It's right. good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. We're all about it. Extraordinary. 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 Okay, so um, he gets this thing going again. Paul VI get this, gets this going again. And there are two kinds of synods. There are ordinary and... Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Right? Extraordinary general assemblies. They seem to meet about every three or four years. Okay? Looking at the history mm-hmm. since the Second Vatican Council. There's only been three extraordinary oh. general assembly synods since the Second Vatican Council. Yes. Is that interesting? So the last ordinary synod was two years ago okay. on evangelization. And then Pope right. Francis said, we need to do this on marriage and the family because of the greater urgency that called it about. So there's only been two others, 1969, 1985. And this is the first one that's been called in, you know. When was the, the first one you said? 30 years. 1969. When, what was that? It was on the relationship between uh, bishops, congresses, and Rome. Hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, coming right out of the Second Vatican Council. Here's what I thought was interesting. In an ordinary council, an ordinary synod, um, they're looking for things that are... Here's the categories for topics, because the bishops' conferences actually submit themes for discussion. Potpourri. Potpourri, number one. Emoticons, number two. <laughs> no, just... we're going to an, I'm going to an emoji-themed Halloween party on Friday night. Molly, Rogan, and Haley Kinney are throwing it. There you go. So I'm going to be the huge smiley face with just two eyes. No smile, because it freaks out Megan Lyons. But anyways, that's beside the point. So, potpourri, emojis, something like this. They propose topics that have to be... Before and after. Universal interest. Okay. Pastoral in character. This is what's interesting. Synods only deal with things that are pastoral in character, with a firm theological foundation. People think that bishops just get together and they're like... Oh, let's change doctrine. Let's just like, I don't know... I mean, it seems like we need to have a new approach to homosexuality. Let's just, like, change the church. And it's just like, that is not what synods are doing. Yeah. It's not even how this stuff works. They don't just get together and they're like, man, we got to make up some new doctrine. Pastoral is different than doctrinal, right? Mm-hmm. So the quality of a topic is about the pastoral character with a firm doctrinal foundation. Number three, it has to be urgent. And then number four, that it's looking for the allotted time. What? Why do you have that stupid look on your face? Because <laughs> always I, I feel like Brady's dad. I feel like the power position right here. Kind of are in the power position. So Brady's dad. Well, we won't tell that story because he was eating yogurt. No, it was pudding. Pudding. He was eating pudding. <laughs> Laid out on the couch. Uh, I don't know exactly what the power position is, but um, yeah, I'm just finding different positions to sit in this chair. So that's that enough. All that's, I see is like, you know, this like giant microphone. That's enough. Yeah. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, so he's in a he's in a comfortable position right now. So next we turn to what actually did they talk about and what did they actually decide on? Cuz there was this like document that came out halfway through the synod and everybody freaked out. It was just like, "Oh, Pope Francis is, you know, all of a sudden gay marriage is going to work, you know?" Mm-hmm. And I'm not going I'm not going to lie. I get nervous. I get real nervous with Pope Francis. Except when I'm reading what he's actually saying. Yeah. When I'm not reading him, I'm like, I believe the church and she's, uh," but it's crazy. And I think a lot of Catholics feel that we're just because we're so inundated with this stuff and it's so distorted. And that document that came out halfway through was a horrible unofficial translation and it was pertaining to things. It was just random thoughts and ideas. Pope Francis definitely has a different approach. He wants a real synod in the sense that he wants like the full honesty and dialogue and conversation that's happening. And we got that. And that's messier. Yep. But it's better. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't want is this, this kind of like closed yes man 
This is what we do, right. which is what you think of when you think of the church and the evil pope and these whole different things, right? Well, and I mean that that's part of our that's part of our history too, because like in Vatican II, they sent out that um, that document like soliciting questions or like possible topics to talk about at the Vatican Council. And like people had all sorts of ideas of what they thought the Vatican Council would be about, would be about or things that they should discuss. Some of them is the evil of the evils of uh, the automotive, you know, switching from bicycles, you know, to whatever. And then, you know, like what's the future of aliens, you know, in the church and, I mean, interesting questions, but they didn't go with it. So, Speaking of which, Father Nathan gave his homily this last weekend on molesting aliens from the first reading. Do not molest aliens. It was the first, it was the first line. But my brother said, who's his youth minister, said, I think there were some teens who actually <laughs> thought you were talking about aliens, like real, extraterrestrial. That's what, I, that's what I was inferring. Yeah, right. That's what I was trying to make them laugh. I know. It was a good opener. You're so clever. But then I got in trouble because I called myself a boob. Uh, um, and I mean, I thought like, you know, like three stooges or whatever, like they called each other boobs, I thought like, but anyways, they said, don't say that in front of the kids anymore. So whatever, you know, you get used to that slap on the wrist and it's, you keep going. Sorry, you Archbishop. Persevere. Sorry, Archbishop. Okay. So, uh, next thing here, as we're moving right along, uh, what they put out at the end of the, uh, document here, he's staring at the computer. It's is fine. it, is it working? Yeah, it's fine. Computer, the keyboard's working. Keyword's working. Um, I live with a man who is really into, my pastor, Father Felix, really into everything that's happening in Rome. So I learn about all this stuff because the guy never sleeps, he never eats, and occasionally he stops sending me emails and uh, reads this stuff. I don't know how he does it. But he said, you need to read the Relatio Sinati. Relatio Sinati. That's the document that came out from this synod. Okay? So now what's going to happen is they had two weeks of discussion. They came out with this document, which is a 62-paragraph document. And they're going to sit on it for a year. Hmm. And then Pope Francis, from the document, is going to craft what's called a post-synodal exhortation. exhortation yeah. It's an exhortation yeah. about something. So um, Evangelium Gaudium was the post-synodal exhortation, the document that came out of the synod, which helps us pastorally on the topic of evangelization. This document is going to be on the topic of marriage and family life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that they vote. There's 183 people who are are members of this synod and they actually vote. And if they don't get two thirds vote on one of the paragraphs that's crafted, it automatically gets booted. And again, remember, why are they voting? Are we democratic all of a sudden? No, we're not a democratically constructed church, but these are just pastoral Mm -hmm. approaches. Everything in this document is pastoral. There's nothing, there's nothing new. You read this and you're like, this is boring. There's nothing to it. That's why the media has to fabricate this crazy stuff. Yeah. What's interesting is there's three paragraphs that did not get the necessary two-thirds votes, oh. which means that 120 of the 183 people did not vote yes. And guess, Scintillating. Guess what those topics were? Emoticons. Emoticons and potpourri. No. What to do with the divorced and remarried. Yeah. And, and with those persons struggling with homosexual tendencies. And again, this is just pastorally, how do we approach it? Yeah. There's paragraphs 52, 53, and 55 did not get the necessary votes to be considered in, in the exhortation. Okay? So what I'm saying is that not only is the church not changing her teaching, 
She didn't even get the necessary votes to even change the language by which she pastorally applies the teaching to it. Does that make yes. sense? Yeah. So, um, number 52, fail. The Synod Fathers also considered the possibility of giving the divorced and remarried access to the sacraments of penance in the Eucharist, right? And uh, it was very highly nuanced in certain situations for, irre- for irreversible situations. Access to the sacraments might take place uh, when preceded by an extreme penitential practice determined by the diocesan bishop. Hmm. Failed. That did not pass. Number two, number 53, synod fathers maintain that divorced and remarried persons, those living together, can have fruitful recourse to spiritual communion, therefore they should be given sacramental recourse. So what they're saying is we should give confession and Eucharist to the divorced and remarried because they already are cultivating some kind of spiritual communion. And the church said no, right? The fathers said no. Now, is that a possible change? Yeah, that's not doctrine. That's at the the level of discipline, right? Mm -hmm. And then number 55, this is really interesting. This one also did not pass. Pastoral attention might be appropriate for them, uh, for bishops, what is this here, uh, for those struggling with homosexual tendencies. There are, but there are absolutely no grounds for considering homosexual unions to be in any way similar or even remotely analogous to God's plan for marriage and the family. Nothing different there. Nevertheless, men and women of a homosexual tendency ought to be received with respect and sensitivity. Nothing different there. Every sign of unjust discrimination should be avoided. Nothing there. Even that paragraph didn't pass. It didn't pass. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't necessarily believe that. It's just that's not the language that we want to use in describing um, divorced and remarried and people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Absolutely. And we did podcasts on that, and Father Joe did a great job of preparing that and explaining that right from the catechism. So if you want to see a a better articulation... Hmm pastoral articulation, read it in the Catechism on both those topics. Lastly, we turn to Pope Francis's speech at the conclusion of the Synod, right? This is on the 19th of October. Mm-hmm. So blah, blah, blah. He thanks, you know, 55 different Italian cardinals for their different things. Then he goes on to say a couple different things. So first off, he says, there's some temptations that face us here. And you can get all this online, right? Um, hostile inflexibility. We can't be, we can't be doing that. We can't be destructively uh, thinking we're doing the good, which is so-called progressive or liberal. But then he says this, We have to fight the temptation to come down off the cross, to please people and not to stay there in order to fulfill the will of the Father, to not bow down to a worldly spirit, but instead to purify it and bend it to the Spirit of God. Hmm. Bam. The temptation to neglect the depositum fide, the deposit of faith, not thinking of ourselves as guardians but as owners and masters, right? That we are actually guardians. On the other hand, the temptation to neglect reality. They call this Byzantine-isms. I was like, oh, Father Michael might not like that, our Mm. friend, Father Michael. But um, then he says uh, he's happy to see these things happening. He's happy to see the vibrancy of the conversation that's happening. But then he goes on to say uh, amazing stuff. It's like um, there's boldness in the way that these men are speaking, but he says... This is always clear without ever putting into question the fundamental truths of the sacrament of marriage, the indissolubility, the unity, faithfulness, fruitfulness, and openness to life. All of this is absolutely not remotely even being talked about. Right. The church and the variety of her charisms expresses communion, right? Beauty and the strength of the sense of fide. He goes on and on talking about the beauty of the church and of the fullness and the protection of the, of the deposit of faith. And so I read him and I'm like, oh, yeah. 
he's the Pope, and the Holy Spirit's real, and the church is okay. Right. Instead of this crap that we're getting in the New York Times, right? And even in some Catholic stuff, the National Catholic uh, Reporter, it's just like, I read an article they had, and I was just like, you got to be kidding me, right? No wonder why Catholics are so freaking confused. But we just got to go back and stick to what he's saying. If Pope Francis freaks you out, just read what he's saying. Read what he's saying. His style is very different. What he let, kind of the throwdown that happened in October, is really a different style. But he wanted to let it happen, mm-hmm. and he wanted to permit it. And he wanted to bring about this kind of boldness in speaking and this different kind of ecclesial synod, uh, whatever you want to call it, right? Collegiality. Mm-hmm. My thought is that perhaps a loss of a rootedness and a deep rootedness in in the doctrinal teachings of the church which another way of saying that is dogma the unchanging truths that god has revealed to us that are promulgated by the church that ought and have to believe have to be believed by the Christian faithful, that if we are rooted in that, then the pastoral application of these truths to persons has that human element of, okay, what can we do? Right. You know, given given the truth and given what the sacraments are and given who Jesus Christ is and how he set up his church, how ought we to do this in relation to these these persons, okay? But when we lose the dogma, we're we're stuck and just like saying, well, why can't this change? Because other things have changed, you know? But there are certain unchanging truths. So, uh, yes, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has entrusted his church with the with the divine mandate to go out and teach all nations. And to teach them the truth, um, and to to give them to give them the truth of of God and in things relation to God. This is a very sly um, plug for read manuals. Read, um, uh, come on, okay, Sorry. okay, but like. If you not that you have to go out and like find a manual or something like that, you know, because manuals get this like really bad name. Um, but there were people, and you meet them like even even today, like people that were trained um, in Catholic school in you know like the earlier earlier years. Man, they knew dogma. They knew it. They knew who God was. They knew who Jesus Christ was. Like you explaining to them that Jesus Christ is simultaneously God and man. Like that doesn't they're they're not like, whoa, but like for some people, like they've never heard this. Why? Because whenever I was in grade school um, and I was in CCD, we were listening to whale sounds, <laughs> making banners about recycling. OK, and like, I mean, some of that stuff is good, but the loss of a deeply rooted Christian education is, is makes certain sentiments of the Pope, um, like, yeah, I share that too. I want to make sure these people are right. And then on the other side, the people that do know their theology say, yeah, but certain things can't change, so then they get nervous. We need both, you know? Right. So, And I think that's right on. The, the problem here is not, you know, the media is definitely part of the problem, but 
the media wouldn't even phase us if we were well-formed Catholics. Yeah. If we were men and women of prayer and, and of true knowledge of the faith, mm-hmm. it, w- it just wouldn't phase us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we got to go back to that. We got to continue to deepen that. And I said that, I said that it maybe it was in a podcast before, or maybe I said that to somebody else. Cause they were like, what do you think about this sin? And aren't you nervous? And I was like, is the church, the church or not? Yeah. Like, is she the, the bulwark of truth? Is she the guardian of things, you know, and all, I mean, does she have divine protection in relation to things of, um, morals and, and theology? Um, either she has that or she doesn't absolutely you know absolutely so so um, we, we we press on i was thinking of um your friends over at um uh what's the uh it's like the onion the catholic onion i had the tiber the tiber oh yeah what did they have an article on another synod did they no you told me about this oh, extraordinary synod announced for basic catholic teachings or something like yeah, that yeah i don't know check out i had the tiber it's really funny yep well, we went 39 minutes last time, so we're going to wrap this puppy up. Bam. I know that was super exciting. I That's can see good. your eyes dropping, but the synod was really good. Synod. Everything's really good. Everybody okay. just chill out. A couple shout-outs before we go. couple shout-outs to the band. couple shout-outs to the lady. We love, we love it when people come to Mass at Cabrini or at Queen of Peace, and they introduce themselves. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm from out of town. We listen to the podcast. Sure. And I met a great guy on Sunday. His name was Frank. He's from Houston, Texas. And he listens to this with his sons, Michael and Robert. And I was like, you're getting a shout out for sure. So thanks to them for coming. And then also way back last spring, these girls, Chrissy and Emily came. Oh, good. I'm glad you remember them? them. Remember them? Uh I know. They've been waiting for a a shout out for a long time. They were awesome. And they also came to the Head and the Heart concert. We were going to try and tailgate with them in August. But you weren't there because you're an old man. I'm an old man. That's right. I've given up. In the power position. All right. Catholic Stuff no Podcast pudding. at gmail.com. We appreciate your emails. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See ya. <laughs> Just in time.